Welcome to the Double Loop Podcast, your source for everything about fingerprints. While you're working on your comparisons, we'll talk about comparisons. I'm Eric Ray. And I'm Glenn Langenberg. Well, hello, Glenn. I hope you had a good 4th of July. Yeah, I did. I actually had a really cool experience. Do you know what a paddleboard is? You don't have a lot yeah. of water there, so I don't know if you... Okay, well, just, we, 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 have, we have a lake. It's called Tempe Town lake. lake, and typically it's not recommended that anyone actually go into the water, but um, you occasionally oh. see paddle borders on it because you don't have to go in the water. Yeah, okay. So I bought uh, an inflatable one, uh, and huh. uh, I actually got two of them, uh, one for me and the, the boys. And I took it out on the 4th of July and kind of went out on the lake by myself, uh, you know, just out on the lake. It was a full moon, and so I sat out in the middle of a lake Watched the sunset go down on the on the west and the moon rise on the east and watched fireworks going off in front of the moon. It was actually very, very peaceful and very serene and very awesome. That sounds amazing. That's, that's Yeah, it was great. very cool. Yeah. I, oh, and I had a couple of beers with well, me, of course, in my little in my little satchel. There you go. Uh I, I cooked up some food. We had some ribs and some Mexican street corn and it was What is Mexican street corn? Uh, it's, well, I kind of had more of a deconstructed version of it, but typically you, you take corn on the cob, kind of grill it, cover mm-hmm. it in butter, chili mm-hmm. spices, sour yep. cream. Uh, oh. oh, okay. And, uh, it's amazing. So, yeah. Hmm. So sour cream, like you put sour cream on it, like you would butter and it just kind of melts on it. The, the butter is more kind of like a dip in butter and then kind of sour cream is like, like kind of streaks of it like you kind of add like a squirt bottle you know um, oh, okay but uh so m- mine was a little more deconstructed of of you know heating it up in a pan and with you know butter and some oh pepper and onions and tomatoes and spices and and the sour cream and stuff so um mm. but uh yeah it's uh it's really good next time well when when, when it's reasonable to come to arizona again <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's actually a place near downtown Phoenix called Taco Guild that has really good Mexican street corn. I'll I'll, I'll swing I'll swing you by there uh, next time next time you're in town. All right, sounds delicious. Yeah, well, uh, let's get the, uh, the the little quizzy thing out of the way first, uh, and that is our anagram for you to decode uh, throughout the episode. We'll we'll give you the answer here at the end, and this week it is our fit cabin. Like, like if, if you go off and exercise in the, in a building and the, uh, with someone else in the forest, you go to our fit cabin. Like the, the, like our as in 60 minutes or our as in the possessive? Our as in the possessive, fit, F I T, and then cabin. Oh, I think I, okay. Okay. I I think I see this already. All right. And then, uh, Patreon. Thank you to, uh, I think an upgraded pledge, but then also a new pledge from Julie and Jack. Uh, thank you guys both for your contribution to, uh, to our little podcast. Uh, we definitely appreciate, uh, you know, all the help that, you know, everyone, um, that contributes, uh, you know, provides to us, especially I think our annual bill for hosting is coming up here next month. So your, your, your money's put to good use for, for everything that we do here. Uh, and if you're interested in contributing, you can go to, uh, patreon.com slash double it podcast. I also like Julie and Jack because, as a fan of bad movies, that's okay, dude. I was going to say it. I was, I was right there. I, so, I was right there. If anyone doesn't, there's uh, no idea what we're talking about. Man, we're we're such nerds in the same way for many things. Um, 
<laughs> the, James Wynn cavalcade. Uh, yes, James Wynn uh, was a is a filmmaker. Uh, <laughs> more, more famous. He w- he, he was a, a software chip salesman. That's true. Uh, m- most famous, I think, for uh, directing a, a little movie called Birdemic Shock and Terror. And uh, <laughs> the movie he made before that was called Julian Jack. So, uh, All right. So that was not a coincidence, you putting their names like that. Good. Good, good one. I, I was on the edge of my seat to jump in there with that. I mean, they did the, the email showed up in my email box, you know, in that order as well. So it, it it was it was a bit of a coincidence. But when I saw that, I was like, "Ooh, okay." I'll, I'll mention them two together. Yeah, Rift Tracks, the Mystery Science Theory guys do amazing send ups of all of his movies, and they are fantastic. Yep. So that's that's probably. I don't think I've ever seen Julian Jack by itself, but uh, the Rift Tracks version is pretty funny. It is good. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, the other thing I've been up to recently is is uh, g- doing uh, old man video games. Um, my brother Sweet. and his roommate and I have started doing a multiplayer playthrough of Baldur's Gate. Uh, oh yeah, the original. <laughs> the original. Well, the the oh. new enhanced version that actually works on a modern computer, but the uh, yes, okay. the original first version of it. Yeah. Uh, so that's been fun here over the weekend, but, um, my, my brother's roommate had never played before. So we're trying to get him up to speed on <laughs> how this 20 plus year old game works. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, what about you? What are you, what are you up to here, uh, here soon? Uh, well, the main thing is I've been just working on these webinars. So if anyone's interested in taking some webinars for IAI credits for latent print certification, um, either the comparison or testimony, uh, you can go check out, uh, e- uh, sorry, you can go check out evolveforensics.com. That's Alice White's website. Uh, she's hosting my webinars there and registering students uh, through her site. And we've got webinars on conflict resolution that, that are new on contextual bias. And the new one I'm really excited about is one on the examination of bloody friction ridge impressions, which is an area that I've always enjoyed researching. Yeah. So. Uh, go go check those out at again www.evolveforensics.com. All right. Well, uh, this week's topic uh, is going to be uh, talking about fingerprints or slash latent print books. Are are basically our favorite books uh, on any kind of topic related to uh, to our field. You know, yeah. If- can I can I give a little background? Here? Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Yeah, just to give a little bit of background, we got an email from a listener by the name of Sean. So, hey, Sean, just wanted you to know it. You, he emailed us uh, a little bit a while ago during the the COVID um, peak. Well, although it might be peaking again, but back in the original <laughs> peak, uh, he had emailed. And I said, yeah, well, that's a great idea. We'll get around to it. But he had asked us. Uh, he'd said he'd been listening to us about for for about six months now. And I was wondering uh, if there was either any particular books that we would recommend. Uh, latent fingerprint books, you know, in the field. And I thought, and I think he was suggesting it, we could do an episode on that. And so we thought we would do kind of a countdown, uh, just like we've done with movies and other, other things. We thought we would do books. We've done research papers before. We've done movies and, but we had never done, uh, books. So I thought that would be kind of cool. Absolutely. And it led to me kind of digging through what I have on the computer and what I have on the shelf and, and, uh, Looking through and you know seeing which ones are my favorites and and uh, and why. So um, great. We are we ready to get started? 
Yeah, for sure. You're going to take the take the first one, right? I am. So top of my list, so I, that's the way the countdown works, right? You start at the top and work down? Well, I think so. <laughs> is uh, a book called uh, Fingerprints and Other Friction Ridge Impressions. Sorry. Ah. Fingerprints and Other Ridge Skin Impressions by Christophe Champeau, Chris Lennard, Pierre Margot, and Muletin Stoilevich. Yep, you son of a bitch. You took mine. That took was my top one, one too. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I, I kind of had a guess that this might go the same way as our research paper countdown went, where we just mm. had the same list, basically. But we, I mean, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. So, uh, you know, that's the way th- these, these things go. It kind of makes it more interesting for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, I actually got a copy of this when I went and taught at the European Division Conference, uh, in 2017 was lucky enough that uh, Professor Margot uh, gave me a copy and, and uh, you put a nice little note and signed it. You know, that maybe that goes into part of it, but the contents of this book, it, it, is, it is so incredible, so thorough, so wide ranging and specific. It, it, it's, it, it, that's why it's on the top of my list. Um, so a, a couple of questions, which, which edition do you have? Because that, I, that's going to be pretty key here. That's true. I, I have the, I believe it's the second edition published in the 2016. Bl- the blue one? The blue one. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's the, actually, I, I, just to mention, that's the edition that I have at the top of my list as well. The first edition is good. The second edition is amazing. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Con- continue with your review. I just wanted to make sure listeners knew we were talking about the second edition, the 2016, through CRC Press. So, you know, it, it, like I said, it's, it's, it's so broad in, in how much it covers, starting with, uh, with biology. You know, there's a lot of the books, you know, will, uh, start with history and spend a lot of time on that. This kind of skips most of that, that what you would get, see in other books about history and just goes right into more of the science, uh, based things. Uh, so this is, you know, covering you know, the morphogenesis, how the friction ridge skin develops and grows and, you know, dysplasia and scars and altered prints. But throughout it, it has graphs and images and references to the absolute latest research, uh, that's out there. And again, covering, coming out with another edition, keeping things up to date with everything new that's, that's out there in all of these topics. And then it goes into then the actual examination process, right? ACEV, tolerance and specificity of features, uh, likelihood ratios, the weight of evidence, subject prob- so, uh, subjective probability. But then you're referencing SWIGFAST sufficiency graph and the, uh, the ULW quality metric, uh, the different conclusions that are possible and how propositions uh, come into play there. And then there's the overall reliability of things. Just so complete, so thorough that it really brings you fully up to speed as to where things stand right now uh, with our science. Uh, you know, that that's the perfect phrase, up to speed. I feel like if a, a trainee reads this book and understands this book, I can have like a conversation right now with that trainee and talk about all the research, talk about where we are as a field. I, I, I feel that I believe that they really would be completely current with the OSAC standards coming out, the recent definitions, the, the why those definitions are the way they are. I really do believe that anyone who reads this book, digests it, understands it, and comes out with, with, with a good, clear understanding of what is trying to be proposed in this book will, will as you said, perfectly, 
perfectly stated, will be completely up to speed with where we are. And it, I mean, it goes on from there, right? Those are just the first two chapters. Then it gets into yeah, right. light and photography and development, right? With the absolute latest on the processing techniques with ninhydrin and all those analogs and powders, super glue, uh, vacuum metal defi- deposition, uh, and all sorts of brand new novel techniques that some of which I'd never even heard of before because they're just so new. Uh, and then getting into processing on skin and fabrics. You know, that those sections are really wide ranging as well before then going into issues of age estimation, you know, not age of the person, but age of the fingerprint on the surface, you know, how, how relevant or probative evidence is forgery and fabrication errors and quality assurance. And then in the back is another whole section with just data. Right. So it has, you know, published here for you, uh, classification statistics for patterns for 18 million people. Uh, I'll graft out for you. Uh, oh, I think it's more than that. Or isn't it 18 million males and like 3 million? Females? Oh, and then, and then another 4 million females. Yeah. You're right. Uh, yeah. and then, um, processing sequences. This is the kind of evidence you have. You know, here's the, the, you know, recommended process, uh, processing sequence, you know, based on all the, uh, the, the most current research and then uh, formulations for all those chemicals as well. So again, not even just like the comparison nerd stuff, but the crime scene processing that side of the business too. It is, it is amazingly complete and really valuable book. Yeah. I I have to say, you know, I mean, Christoph being my professor, this is not, you know, just trying to kiss up in any way to him. I'm jealous. I'm jealous because I wish, I wish I had done this book <laughs> because it's exactly how I wish a book would be. I mean, it's, it is so complete and so thorough. I'm, I'm envious that I wasn't uh, in, involved in this or, or you know, uh, I'm, I'm envious that it's not mine. It's so well done. Uh, I'm, I'm just uh, every little passage, every little bit of information. And, ju- and I don't even unless you own this book and, and flip through it. I don't even think you can appreciate the number of references in this book. Oh, good Lord, the, the references. The, the references are just off the chart. And, and uh, again, very complete, very thorough. Um, yeah. can, I, can I read a passage that I, I thought oh. was great? Because, again, Please. this is what I, what I mean and, and agree with you when you say complete and up to speed. Because we were just teaching a testimony class the other week and students were asking lots of questions and they caught when Carrie Hall was doing some of her mock testimony, she had avoided the word unique. Uh, you, know, she, you know, I think it was maybe said once, uh, but then after that she kept saying, you know, words like discriminating or highly variable or whatever, or, you know, she was talking about friction rate skin being highly variable, selective, discriminating, whatever. And the students were very confused and Many of them actually emailed and were like, why, why would you not say the word unique? Why were you avoiding? And in this whole book, actually, well, sorry, not the whole book, but there's a great chapter in here that addresses exactly those sorts of things, too. They're all very modern issues dealing with ACB, its limitations, our knowledge. You know, it, let me just read this passage. Sure. In this chapter, the terminology unique or uniqueness of friction-rich skin is avoided for reasons that will become clear in the next chapters, particularly the ACB chapter. Uniqueness is a concept that has seen semantic extensions that may not be warranted. Indeed, it is not rare to hear an examiner testifying in court that individualization has been established because fingerprints are unique. 
indeed what we want to avoid in a systematic and, and imperceptible transition from friction ridge skin is unique to every mark from friction ridge skin is unique in the sense that it can be associated with certainty to the individual at its source. Again, the mark itself will be unique and we can safely point that no two marks will ever appear the same. However, our ability to link a mark back to its source is not a function of uniqueness, but a function of the balance between the reproducibility and the selectivity of the features that are apparent in the mark. Saying that a specific area of friction ridge skin is unique is a statement of the obvious. It does not tell us much about our ability to record features in one of its marks left under uncontrolled conditions and subsequently compare this mark against control prints taken at a different time. It just so eloquently sums up the whole thing. It's not like that they don't believe that friction ridge skin is unique. They absolutely do. It's not a relevant question because it's an imperfect recording. Just that section on the ACEV, the examination process, yep. ha has a reference list. Again, just list, not like details of each one, not not an abstract of each one. Just a list, which each worth, which each reference being you know one or two lines, eleven pages long. Uh, so even there, you know, just that that value of of where to look for all this other information uh, is incredible. Yeah, agreed. And I, and I think it goes for about 125 US or so. You, you know, might find it used out there, but I, I, I seem to recall it's anywhere between 100 and 125. So fairly, a, a fairly dense, worthwhile purchase for your laboratory, your agency, or your own personal collection. Absolutely. All right, Glenn. So I took your number one. What's, what's your number That's two? All right. <laughs> all right. So going along those same lines, my number two is a bit unexpected. Okay. And it's not one that I think a lot of examiners would always go to, but they should. And it, it'll depend a little bit on your laboratory. But mine is Lee and Galenson's Advances in Fingerprint Technology. It's the third edition, which is 2013, and edited, and here's the important thing. <laughs> the editors are Henry Lee and, oh, what's his first name, Rob, Richard, Robert? I don't remember if it's Richard or Robert, but doesn't matter, Ganslin and Lee. And the, the third edition is edited by Robert Ramatowski, who used to work for the Secret Service. And Robert is an encyclopedia of knowledge, especially when it comes to processing. And this yes. book is amazing for processing. If your laboratory does processing and you want to know, you know, what techniques to use. In fact, there's a lot of crossover between this book and the references and the, the book you just referenced, Eric, yeah. there's a lot of crossover. Although I think there's probably even more references in this book. And it is, what, 16 chapters. And the first, let's see, 13, 14. Yeah, the first 13 chapters are on various pr uh, processing techniques. So you have an entire chapter on powder methods and all the various kinds of powders and brushes. You've got a chapter on the, the amino acid reagents. You've got one on metal deposition, lipid reagents, vapor and fuming methods, blood reagents. In fact, the blood chapter is probably one that I reference a lot in this book. It's got everything up, up to, the, at, at the time it was written, up, uh, up to speed. And then you've got some challenging surfaces. You've got uh, a chapter on uh, vacuum metal deposition. You've got one on cyanoacrylate fuming methods. Another one on anhydrin and anhydrin analogs in recent developments. 
You have a, a chapter using nanoparticles written by uh, Andy Bacue at in your University of Lausanne. You've got a chapter from Della Wilkinson, who we've had on the podcast before, and hers her chapter is friction ridge detection at challenging crime scenes. Della used to do a lot of chemical, nuclear, biological, and radioactive C- CBRN. I think is the term. So she used to do a lot of presentations on the, on how to protect yourself where there had been you know like chemical tear gas and right. chemi- you know chemical attacks or biological attacks or nuclear or rate you know I, I, I don't remember I don't know if I got all of them but anyway I think you get my point and then there's a chapter on statistical models and probabilities from Cedric Newman as well which is a complete summary of all the models their limitations where things were at that time and uh, you know uh, just a great review going all the way back to Galton and into modern times and then finally, a chapter on digital imaging. Okay, I, I'm going to have to update my my library because I ha, I just have the second edition. So uh, yeah, and night and day between night the day? two. Yeah, the second edition is good. I think it opens with a chapter on stats models from Stony, if I recall. Does oh, that sound closes, right? It closes out with that one. Uh, starts with history, okay. but um, oh, but, yeah. okay, that's right. And there's no history chapter in this one, and the the that chapter model or sorry the chapter on models was redone by cedric and cedric of course very thorough right <laughs> yeah and and it just it it is night and day between the two which is why if you have the first or second it's a completely different book i mean robert almost from the ground up redid the entire book doesn't really get much credit for it because it's still lee and genslin and right you know, everyone names- are, 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 I think their names are even bigger on the, oh, yeah. the third edition than they were on the second edition. <laughs> yes. Um, and, yes. but my understanding is that Robert took over basically editing duties at that point for the third edition. He, he, he really rebuilt that book from ground, rebuilt it from, from ground up and did a fantastic job and really doesn't get the credit he deserves. The, the reference lists in this, like every chapter, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to randomly turn to a couple of chapters here. So looking at the blood reagents chapter, for example, you've got, you know, about a hundred different references and that's, you know, five or six pages. But when I look at the nanoparticle one, the chapter on nanoparticles, it is 12 pages long with almost 300 references. <laughs> 271 to be specific. I, I mean, it, it is just so incredibly thorough. If you're ever looking for any paper on a particular processing technique, I always start there and then then go to the original papers. Right, right. Well, that's that's yeah, that's amazing. So no, like I said, I I will need to update my edition there uh, of that one, especially with you know what you're describing there with the, that full rewrite. Seems like we're on a theme here though of 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 books that just literally cover everything between their uh, between their covers that relates to our to our field and and are referenced well that i think that's the thing that drives me nuts is when i read some of the books i mean you even want to go back to some of the early ones you know cowger and you know scott's fingerprint mechanics from osborne and all that i mean there are some decent references but nowhere near the volume that we have today. And obviously there's been a lot more research since then, but the, right. also a lot of research done by bona fide scientists who really 
know how to cite and make sure that they are citing all, you know, just the entire history of research on a topic. So for for my next one, I'm going to kind of continue then on our, our theme of books that just kind of cover uh, everything in the field. And that's the uh, the fingerprint source book. Yep. Okay. Very good. So this is published by the uh, U.S. Department of Justice and is available for free uh, as, in a, as a PDF uh, online. You can just, just type in fingerprint source book, basically, and it's the first result that comes up. Now, this is not to be confused with the fingerprint source book, uh, source book being two words instead of one. Uh, and that's another great resource, but that's published by the UK Home Office um, and, and is a really great resource on processing and uh, sequential processing techniques. But this is fingerprint source book, source book being one word. And uh, let's see, this came out in... Uh, 2012. 2012? Yep. Um the the downside here is is it hasn't been updated, right? So no. there are some things that are a little bit more out of date. But for a book for especially someone coming kind of coming in new or someone with maybe not as in depth of an interest uh, as we have, uh, this is for being free uh, a really good overview of again everything throughout uh, the science. 2012 being, you know, a few years old now, but still has quite a bit of really great information. Can, um, can I mention something on that? Yeah. If you don't mind? Yeah. Uh, just to, for a little perspective, since I was involved in, in this, and in, it really was a nightmarish saga to get that published. And if you, if you read it, if you actually go through, Eric, you'll see that most of the references stop in about 2006. I think the latest you could reference you can find is 2007 in there. And those were last minute editions. Most of that book was actually written in 2005 and 2006. I think everything had to be turned in by 2006, but during edits, uh, you, during, in 2007, there were still a few references trying to get thrown there at the end. So even when it came out in 2012, it was already five or six years behind and so that's why it feels even more dated when when you read it you go wow wow there's nothing on black box in here there's nothing on the no it took six years to get it published it was really frustrating and they ended up publishing in chapters so some of the the less contentious ones came out first so like the history chapter i think came out in 2010 Maybe APHIS came out in 2011, but the more contentious chapters on identification, interpretation, the methodology, the legal stuff, I think, and the, the psychological chapter, I think those all came out later in 2012 and they finally got the entire book out. But it was a real saga to get that thing published. So little backstory. It is very much set up in a chapter basis where each chapter is virtually unconnected to every other chapter. Yeah. Even still, some of the, the chapters to highlight is, um, so the anatomy chapter is written by Alice White, or Alice Maceo at the time. Mm-hmm. And it is a really good summary of everything Alice has on anatomy. And then that's followed immediately by the embryology chapter written by Casey Wertheim, which again, yep. really great summary of everything that, that Casey has on embryology. And Alice and Casey even did some stuff together. Uh, on on other papers and then all that information is is collected there uh, another pretty good chapter is fingerprints and the law was just this list mm-hmm. of case after case after case and how it relates to to fingerprints 
uh, and a really good reference to go back and look at uh, case law and and how different aspects, uh, just kind of a short little you know, paragraph summary of each one. Um, but that's another great reference as well. Yeah, that was written by Steve Meager and Andre Moensons, if I recall. And I, I remember there were Andre's a lawyer, so Andre wanted to kind of stick to the law, but Steve sort of wanted to put his own editorial spin to it. Right. Uh, but, you know, each of the chapters, like there's a chapter from John Vanderkolk and... Busey and Drawer have the, yeah, the gonna, human factors psychology chapter. And there's exactly uh, Busey and Drawer uh, with that chapter. Like, the, the you know, at the time, whoever basically the expert was on that thing wrote that chapter. So, I mean, it, it's just filled with, with, you know, names of the field, uh, at, at the time. So, but like I said, it does seem a bit disconnected between all the different chapters and a little bit out of date, like you mentioned, even, even more so because of when everything was actually written. But as a, uh, resource for late 2000s ish, uh, snapshot of where the field stood, um, and a ton of information uh, about the field and available for free. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's a really great book, uh, for what it is. All right, Glenn, what's, uh, what's your next one? So my next one is a similar vein, a, a free book, if you will. And, you know, I sort of, the reason I organized them the way I did, because I, I go by, what do I reference? Like what text do I constantly use to look things up and which ones am I constantly going to? And, you know, so far we're in line. Uh, the the Sham- Shampoo at All book, the I'm going to call it the Ramatowski book, uh, and <laughs> and the and, and the source book. I mean, all three of those I go to all the time. Probably the fourth one that I go to for my references is the Human Factors Report. So this is, okay. I mean, it basically is a book. It's the size of a book. So the official title is Latent Print Examination and Human Factors, Improving the Practice Through a Systems Approach, the report of the Expert Working Group on Human Factors and Latent Print Analysis. This also was published through NIJ and NIST, and this was published in 2012. And it is a pretty hefty, it's a book. I mean, I've got an actual copy of it as a book. It's 230-some pages, and the chapters are pretty impressive, actually. Again, if you want to know where we are today and why we are doing things the way we're doing and why, as we've talked in other episodes, why there's this evolution that's happening in these changes, look no further than this text. This book really runs you through the whole thing. In fact, every chapter, I think, has just beautiful nuggets in it. The first chapter, which is an overview, has this great process map that we've talked about before. Well, it came out of here. I mean, this is this is the original process map that was done. It was only one page at the time, Eric, not the, what are we up to, eight pages now or (laughs) whatever it is? Yeah, less complete. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it's, it's very nice, very yeah, nice is. overview of, of the ASB process and the critical decisions, which helped inform all the different subgroups on their chapters. The second chapter, I, I, I'm going off a of memory here. I don't even know if it's stated so in the book. I seem to recall it was written by J.J. Kohler. And that second chapter is how to calculate error rates. And it's a really great chapter. You and I both teach you know, error rates, doing either webinars or do you know, workshops. 
you don't have to you don't have to take a class from us. You don't have to take a class from anyone. You just read this chapter and apply the the formula and you will know everything you need to know about error rates. I mean it is a great primer on how to calculate error rates and and complex stuff too, uh, discovery rates and positive predictive value, negative predictive value, the whole whole gamut, it's all there. Which is very uh, useful nowadays in our present environment. Yes, um, it is. I, I, I walked my wife through a, a couple months ago. For, it was it kind of came up of, well, if you test positive for COVID, they're saying that there's it's, it's the test is only fifty percent accurate. Like, okay, mm-hmm. uh, hold on. Um, so yes, sort of, but no. So you know, it's because of this and this and the. Uh, the, the prevalence in the population. And so then that means that, ah, so you work through the whole, uh, uh, confusion matrix and, and everything. So, oh, excellent. Uh, so if you need to, not just for fingerprints, <laughs> but if you know <laughs> fingerprints and want to understand, you know, uh, specificity and sensitivity and error rates and all that stuff, then yeah, exactly. So David K, I don't know if we've talked about him before, but K A Y E. David K actually been a was, couple of years, but yeah, yeah, and he actually was one of the major editors on this on the Human Factors Report. He was amazing. He was a fantastic writer. He has a blog, by the way, that yes. covers the COVID and the false positive, false negative error rate, the implications, and he, he goes through all the math of it. So if anyone wants to, to to read about that and kind of see how that is applied, David Kay's got a great blog on it. And okay. you'll get su- you'll get sucked in. You'll start reading and you will not be able to stop reading. He's got some great, great stuff that he posts. And the uh, talked about a few more chapters here. Chapter three, which was the one I was mostly involved in, is the interpretation chapter. And it's great because since we already talked about it, it reads like Shampoo's book because his in Shampoo's book in chapter two it is really a very similar outline to the chapter three of the human factors report, which Christoph was on that group as well and had a lot of influence on on the shape of it and some of the same data, some of the same tables, you'll find there's a lot of crossover between the two. I'd almost say that the Human Factors Report was like an early draft of what became his chapter two on the examination process in his book. So there's there, there's nice DNA woven in there. Chapter four is on APHIS. Chapter five is on reporting. And if you get a chance to see the new OSAC proposed standard for reporting and reports, you will see a lot of the same DNA in that chapter. A lot of the same things that came up in those discussions have come up in OSAC, some of the, even the same members and crossovers, so there's a reason why it, it looks the way that that standard looks. There's a chapter uh, that deals with, uh, with testimony, and, and in the testimony chapter, they talk about likelihood ratios, and this is why the OSAC conclusions are, you know, trying to focus on verbal likelihood ratios and this extremely strong support concept. You'll find all that in this report as well. There's a systems approach to the laboratory for human factors. There's a chapter on management. Not all errors are ex- always the fault of specifically just the examiner. Sometimes management has a, a role to play in that. And there's a chapter on training and education. I think in all, there's 35 recommendations that came out of that human factors report and those those recommendations i think are really important i've tried to adopt nearly every single one of them and 
I, I think as a document written by many people in the field, as well as subject matter experts that were invited or related to or interested in fingerprint issues, this is, you know, written by experts for experts. And I, I really think it's a great document compared to all the other NAS report, PCAST report and other reports. This one is really relevant because, of, again, written by experts for experts. And the recommendations are the kinds of things that we're seeing OSAC definitely adopting and incorporating. So I would check this one out if you haven't read this. Oh, absolutely great. I, I um, In the recommendations section, one of my favorites was always um, uh, in regards to workstation configuration. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, that's the systems approach chapter, chapter seven, I think. Chapter seven, exactly. Yeah. Uh, getting into you, you need a, a good place to work, uh, <laughs> to, to, to produce the best results. So, you know, it's, it's rare, you know, to be at a lab when, when a, uh, a new building is going up or a new, uh, office is being built or designed. But if you happen to be in that situation, uh, you know, this can, this might be a, a help on, on that end. All right, ready for my next one? Yes. All right, so I'm I'm now breaking the covering everything and and going a little bit old school, but I, I have to pick it because I have three copies of this uh, for different re- <laughs> all inherited for different reasons. Hmm. Um, one I did, the first one I was like I saw just at the local um, used bookstore and thought oh I need a copy of that. And then later on, I was given a couple more. Uh, but uh, it's The Science of Fingerprints, uh, published mm-hmm. by the FBI, the old green book. Well, so different versions of this were published dating back many, many decades. Let's hear this version, I think, was revised in 84. Uh, but I, I think its original publication was way before that. Granted, this is quite, quite outdated. Uh, it, it Its main focus is on... Uh, pattern recognition. So what's the, the technical definition of a loop, whirl, or arch? Uh, and then how to use the, uh, the classification scheme, kind of all pre-AFIS in order to, you know, to, to figure out who someone is just on a, on a 10 print basis. Uh, the latent print section is both outdated and short. Um, however, the first about half of the book is just filled with dozens upon dozens upon dozens of different examples of fingerprints and the fingerprint patterns all sorts of different kinds of whirls and loops and arches and did you did you have to learn the henry classification system the subclassification nCIC and all that was that part of your your training or it was not um, it was I, not. I had to learn kind of these definitions of patterns to get through the pattern recognition portion of the uh uh, the cert test. So you uh, overstudied. So <laughs> 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 there were some questionable patterns on that test, uh, <laughs> where I had to come back and look a second time, but yeah, you're right. It wasn't all that hard, but you did, you still need to, needed to know the rules, right? Yeah. Just the, the patterns that are shown here, I, I think are, are, are a helpful collection of, uh, the variety of patterns that can appear, uh, that aren't really in any other books or won't be in any kind of other books because Agreed. this, this isn't a thing anymore, right? APHIS does all of this uh, for us. Uh, if you're looking to get someone kind of new in the field to kind of see, okay, these are the kinds of patterns that you might see. Th- this is where I would go to say, all right, 
here, look, here's a regular world. Here's stranger worlds and even stranger worlds. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't recall there being any data, like any frequency data on like the sub patterns and all that. Do you, do you is there anything in I, there? I don't like believe so. Um, yeah, you'll find it in Kristoff's book, but I don't think you'll find it there. Right. But it, it does go into uh, some methods of recording prints using ink. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and right. uh, and that can still be relevant. I believe even on some dead hands, some some techniques for that. Yeah. Um, and again, somewhat relevant, but it, it is also a very old uh, publication. <laughs> and you can definitely see that throughout what's being mentioned, how you know why why it's being you know described in some detail, and in all the old pictures inside as well. Mm. Hey, would you be so kind as to read the excerpt, the foreword from the front page? The letter from Hoover. Well, here we go. Last paragraph is the background and history of the science of fingerprints constitute an eloquent drama of human lives of good and of evil. Nothing has played a part more exciting than that enacted by the fascinating loops, whirls and arches etched on the fingers of a human being. That's kind of a, a flowery language kind of beginning to the book. Yeah, there maybe no. I'll have to see if I can dig it up. But I, I thought the version I had had this letter from Hoover that said something along the lines of "fingerprints is an exact science. No, ah. no other forensic technique is able to identify people with you know such precision and a hundred percent accuracy." It's something there there was this sort of exact science, hundred percent accuracy quote that uh, that I seem to recall, but. Maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe listeners know what I'm referring to. Maybe they've got a copy. I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to dig around. Oh, I think I see the line that you're talking about here, and it is: of all the methods of identification, fingerprinting alone has proved to be both infallible and feasible. Uh, and it goes on to talk about its superiority over the Bertillon system. And no two individuals have been found to be identical. Exactly. Oh, well, hold on. While many cases of mistaken identification have occurred through the use of these older systems, to date, the fingerprints of no two individuals have found to be identical. Which is true, but it also, um, you know, now kind of in a post-Mayfield world <laughs> is, um, is funny coming from the director of the FBI. So, sorry, FBI people, but yeah. Anyway. Well, and and it goes to the point that we read earlier from Christoph's book, that uniqueness and our ability to recognize that, our ability to compare and identify are not the same thing. And, the, you know, this early text conflates the two and puts them together, which is why I think so many traditionally trained examiners fall back on that uniqueness of fingerprints you know, for their, you know, this hundred percent certainty in their conclusions and so forth. Yep. There's a, a better, more accurate way to, uh, to describe that entire concept, uh, that does not lessen the weight and, uh, utility of fingerprint comparisons at all. Yeah. Agreed. All right. What, what's, what do you got next? Well, at this point, I had a few honorable mentions because I think again, it's a good a good point to switch to those. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, of course, Ashbaugh's book. I mean, you know, Ashbaugh's nineteen ninety nine quantitative qualitative friction ridge examinations is just such 
such a great standard. Uh, admittedly, many of the things that were introduced then have fallen out of flavor or have been replaced with probably better text and sources that I think we mentioned earlier, including Alice's stuff on the source book. And Alice's work, too, has shown in her research and her investigations have shown that even some of the things that Ashbaugh referred to may not necessarily have been 100% accurate or true. He might have been an idea, but didn't delve deep enough into some of the biological research, and Alice has refuted a, a few a few things. So it is a great book, though, to understand the philosophy of quote-unquote rejology, which Ashbaugh makes up as a you know, made-up umbrella term, you know, which I think had a great mission. The, the idea of rigidology was to focus you on comparative analysis of ridges, to get you in the mindset of comparing ridges and tracing ridges, not just counting points and constellations. And that has real discriminatory value because, of course, there's so much more information between the points that needs to be considered. And then, of course, introduce this very holistic approach by borrowing from Locard and uh, Chatterjee and other people in the field to introduce or reintroduce, I should say, the use of pores and edges and creases and all the other detail that's present. Although, again, some of that stuff fallen out of flavor a little bit as more research has come along showing some of the lower reproducibility of these characteristics. Still, though, a fantastic book, CRC Press, 1999. You can still find a copy today. Uh, but it, it is a little funny reading the individualization to the exclusion of all else sort of statements in the book. Right, right. There, there, it is of its time, uh, absolutely. Yes. And 1999 being the year it came out, not how much you're going to pay for a copy of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and actually a, a really good point there. Technically, he had published most of these treatises in the nine, like 1990, 91, and had been developing throughout the 80s. So the book comes out almost a decade after his ideas have already been out there for a while. So technically, they reflect more of the 80s and 90s. Right, and, and definitely the 90s being when when these concepts really kind of took hold in the field as a as a whole. Yeah. Uh, uh, and cause I think even in the eighties, you know, these concepts were, were more limited to, you know, the RCMP and, and, uh, and Canada. And it, it, it took through kind of towards the end of the nineties before it really, you know, hit its most widespread use throughout the entirety of at least the U S and North yeah. America. Yeah. Um, I think as, that book is really, really important in our history and, uh, of bringing, like you were saying, uh, the, our whole discipline out of this point counting days and served as this launching point for so much of what came in the next decade. And it, it's, it's tough to imagine, uh, every, of everything that happened there of it moving as far as it did. Uh, in that first decade uh, of the 21st century without this book as the setup for that. Yeah, for sure. And and Ashbaugh was such such a visionary and a, really a rebel. I mean, to go against, I mean, you know, the RCMP yeah. is kind of like the Canadian FBI and they were very steeped in tradition and he really bucked the system to promote this approach. And, you know, I mean, 
you know, again, some things now dated and we've evolved and moved you know, in a different direction. But I mean, it really it can't be undersold or understated just how progressive these concepts were that he proposed and pushed pushed forward. And maybe the pendulum swung a little too far one way, and now maybe it's even swinging back the other way a bit strongly. But uh, it's still uh, really a, a great contribution. I, I believe he wrote some of his first papers on ACE V bringing that into the field in like 79. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, this is 20 years of, of work to, to, you know, bring much of the field, uh, you know, forward, uh, that far. But, uh, yeah, no, another, another great, the, as it sits on the shelf, it's the red book. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know for me, it's, it, in my mind, right, there's the green book, that's the FBI one, there's, there's the blue one, is like as we said earlier, the, um, the second edition from uh, Christoph and company. Uh, these sit in my mind as the different colors up on the shelf. Right. Uh, another honorable mention for me would be the, going really old school, but uh, Fingerprints, Palms, and Souls. Dude, oh my God, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> uh, that was my next one. I love it. <laughs> Good job. Uh, an introduction to dermatoglyphics, which I like that word dermatoglyphics. It's the yeah. longest word in English with no repeating letter. Really? Uh, it's like a look. Uh, wow. Uh, that, no, that's a little bit of trivia. Yeah. Uh, by, uh, like I said, Harold Cummins and Charles Midlow. And uh, so this is first published in the early 40s. But I actually, when I published my palm paper, I was looking through this one a ton yeah. at, at looking at all the different patterns yep. and, uh, and not just patterns in the fingers, which is a lot of books are limited to just that, but patterns in the palm and the soles of the feet and on the toes. And also a ton of data on frequency of these patterns yes. Uh, yes. through different populations. So, you know, it, and that's, you know, that's, that kind of frequency data doesn't age, right? It's still, yeah, it, it's still useful uh, even today. But uh, it's, I mean, you can definitely tell its age, uh, you know, from the, the the writing and the concepts described there. Uh, but at least in that description of these patterns of the ridge flow in different regions, uh, really helpful, really great book. Yeah. All right. So grab another one. <laughs> All right. So I, I do have to throw this out there. I mean, I, I actually think it's a great book, but again, I realize that it's not very accessible to examiners. It's the Steffi Tietze and Klaus Witthoon book yeah. from the Germans, which I'm sure you probably referenced as well in, yep. in your uh, palm print research. But just like the Cummins and Midlow, it's a very detailed accounting of the collection of, I think it's, 35,000 palm print, uh, you know, pairs of palm prints. And it's a ton of data on palm print information. The actual title is Popular Leichtenstrukte der Menschlichen Handenfläche, which of course is, uh, ridge systems and ridge systems in, um, human palm, palms, palm prints. Of course. And, yeah, right. And it's a, it's a really great, very detailed book. You don't have to speak German to look at the pictures and see the rich flow and see the, the data tables. And with Google Translate now, there's a number of it that can be 
a number of things that can easily be translated quickly, but it is a fantastic reference on palm prints. Basically, everything in Ron Smith's class is sort of in this book, but in tables and with data off of a very large set of palm prints. No, you're right, and I did use that one as well when I wrote my palm paper. Oh, geez, that's like eight years ago now. But and I, I, that's exactly what I did. Is I used Google Translate uh, because again, I went I went in school. I learned Spanish and not not German. But um, what I did find is it it, it took a little bit of decoding because mm-hmm. so for example, in Ron Smith's Palm class, there's all these terms, right? Yeah. That there's you know there's the the waterfall and the twelve o'clock and the 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 snow cone and mounted over flat and the long over short. So there's similar kinds of like colloquialisms yes. describing features in this book. And it took me a little bit to kind of decode what, what's being described here. Uh, just like it would for, you know, anyone else coming in without having Ron's full class to understand all those terms. But after kind of getting, figuring that out, uh, yeah, it was really, you know, just a great summary of, all the different things you can see in the palms and how often they occur. Yeah, and if people are interested in a copy of this book, you can actually find a copy of it on the Holy Grail. If you actually have the Holy Grail, there is a digital copy of it on there. And uh, and to your point, Eric, I remember going when I was doing the same thing. I remember one that stood out to me was the funnel region in the palm. So Ron's funnel region, everyone understands the funnel, but the Germans call it the witch's broom. Which, yeah, it has a shape like a, like a broom, like an old straw broom. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, uh, a couple more uh, honorable mentions. Uh, you had mentioned it before, Scott's Fingerprint Mechanics uh, by Robert Olson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned before the Fingerprint Source book uh, from the UK Home Office. And then, as just a very beginner, like if you know nothing about all this, and you're one of our listeners not in the field... Uh, Criminalistics by Richard Zafferstein. Oh, that's, Granted, that's one of mine too. I got it right here. That, that covers, you know, not just latent prints, but, you know, forensics, uh, as a whole. Uh, but, um, as a kind of forensics 101 textbook, uh, it, it's, it's been used as that for decades. Yeah, I, I used it when I was teaching at the university too. And it, it is, it's a fantastic book. In fact, when I was undergrad, there's not so the introduction to forensic science is sort of the standard 101 book, but there's actually a very advanced set that I was required when I was a student in undergrad at Michigan State called the I, I think they're the forensic science handbooks. There's volume one and two at the time, but I think there's a third one now, and they they are sort of the professional version of criminalistics. From Safferstein, and yeah, they we had to know all of them, and they they taught at that level of for practitioner, and so everything in those handbooks are really really detailed, and uh, yeah, the work the stuff that Safferstein did, and he's passed now, but the stuff that he did, and I think it's been it's been taken over by a gal in the DNA field, and so she's doing the current edits to it and really updating the DNA section. The, what what version do you have of of the intro book? I've got the eighth edition. Um, where is that book? It's not on my shelf. I, I <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I I wonder where that 
point. I think it's the fifth or sixth edition. It's mine's blue. Yeah, so um, yeah, so's mine. So um, I, I'd have to double check which, which version of it I got. Um, it was, I think, the newest version in about oh uh, five or so. Oh, that's the eighth edition then. Eighth, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we probably have the same one. Uh, they've had several more editions since then, and again, a lot more updates to it. But it is it is a great book. No, I, it, it absolutely is. And when fingerprints touches other fields, uh, DNA, footwear, uh, firearms, it's still useful even as a, an examiner to kind of remind myself some of the basics of some of those other fields. Uh, and granted, then you, you know, there's more, depth, absolutely a lot more depth to get into from there. Uh, but uh, uh, you're covering kind of the real basics of, of uh, every field in forensics. Yeah, there's there's um, there's not much better than uh, than Safferstein's book over the years. All right, uh, any any other honorable mentions? That was my list. Yeah, I've got one one more, and again, it's a, it's a bit a bit of an odd poll, but man, I do use it for a lot of resources. The Mayfield OIG report, I think, is a it, again probably not so much a book as it is a report. It is a report. It's a really detailed accounting of the Mayfield error and the corrections and adjustments that were made afterwards. It's a really, really great resource because I think that case is so often misrepresented by, well, certainly by the your standard media. And I think examiners need to know that case a little bit better. There are things, errors that I see happen in other agencies that, are actually the same kinds of errors that happen in the Mayfield case. But the focus on the Mayfield case is always on the bias. And I don't believe that is the number one contributing factor in in that case. I think there are other factors that were at play that were not being considered as strongly that is kind of being lost in the noise of bias. And that's a little unfortunate. And I, I think it is a, another really, really good resource. Oh, yeah. I, I think that the key thing there was... Uh, not understanding or fully respecting the power of APHIS. Yeah, I would uh, say that would be a, a, a big one. And then also the assumption that even though people knew it at the time, that minutia, even when you've got a lot of them, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, are not as discriminating as you might think they are. And I think that there was this, like you said, not respecting that. It's that not all minutia are as discriminating as other minutia combined now with a large database and the potential for error. And that at that time, the thinking that eight minutia would be sufficient for an ID in all circumstances was just really misplaced judgment and just a, a misplaced concept that has been proven over and over and over again to be wrong. Right, right. But and you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't ever see that or learn that or really know that until you had this full power of being able to search uh, your latent print against a billion fingers. Yeah. And and that was you know now possible in the early 2000s. Now at so many examiners' fingertips, so to speak, uh, to be able to do that. It, it, again, we've said it before, but it's – it's we're lucky that it was the FBI that got burned with this one in particular because it led to uh, so much growth and improvement and benefits uh, in the following you know decade after that happened. Agreed. 
Well, it'd be nice to hear from listeners if we missed some great books that you think that should have included. Um, I mean, I, I'm very happy with our top four that we talked about. I mean, yeah. if you're, if you're going to build a collection, I would definitely have those books on your shelves. And if you don't have them, I mean, every one of those is gold. Although, admittedly, the, uh, again, the Ramatowski <laughs> book, um, if you don't have that one, if you don't do processing, okay, I can, I can see skipping that because it is 99% of it is processing. Uh, no, I understood. But if you do processing, that, that kind of moves that one up to the top, <laughs> to the yeah, top of the list. It sure does. <laughs> uh, well, that's great. Yeah. Please send us, uh, you know, any books that, that you rely on, uh, and that, that you, you think, um, you know, are really great or have been really valuable, uh, important for you in, uh, in your day to day work. Um, all right. Well, I think we're going to wrap things up. Um, kind of more of a, normal length episode for once <laughs> instead of some some recently super long ones but uh i'm glad we we got to, to you know to pull some dusty tomes off the shelf and uh and flip through them yeah sean uh, hope that answers your question too yeah absolutely all right well so the way you would let us know the the books that that uh, that you really like would be uh glenn at elite com or eric at rayforensics.com to you know talk to uh, either one or both of us and if you're waiting for the solution to the anagram again it's our fit cabin o-u-r fit f-i-t cabin and the solution is bifurcation so i know glenn already got that one so good job glenn and i hope all of you guys got that one too uh, we can also go to our website doubleloopodcast.com from there, I got all the links for Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram and Patreon um, and our store where you can buy Double Loop Podcast merchandise, T-shirts and mugs and stuff. And uh, we're we're still working through some new designs. We've you know kind of mentioned them, promised them here recently, but uh, those will hopefully be up here pretty soon. Um, but specifically, it's at Double Loop Pod. For, for following us on uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, remember, the, the opinions expressed uh, are those of the speaker, not necessarily anyone that they work for. And with that, I think that's everything. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah, bye everybody. Have a great week. Stay safe, stay sane, stay healthy. 